It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Time now to talk all things English Premier League. And, well, we've had a four-week run, I think, of uninterrupted football, but that's going to come to an end with an international break commencing on Monday, at least European time and I think Australian time as well. But we've got some big matches this weekend. Kicking off with Manchester United taking on Everton at Old Trafford. Two of the heavyweights joining me to preview the upcoming English Premier League action is the one and only Chris Coles from the BBC, direct from the UK. How are you, Chris? Damien, I'm very good. Thank you. Good to be with you again. And uh, just before we get stuck into it, uh, the COVID-19 situation here is different. But what's it like over there? Is it pretty much back to normal or is there a little bit of worry with winter coming that even with the vaccines, there could be some form of spike or a new variant or something like that? Yeah, I think there is still concern, Danny, definitely. There's, there's no doubt that we are living a pretty normal life at the moment, and the vaccine rollout has played a huge part in that, and, and the numbers continue to be very, very impressive in terms of, of vaccination. But the warning signs are there, and rates have just steadily, not alarmingly, but steadily just been creeping up. So there is possible concern that, yeah, we, we could be in for another a difficult winter. But it's hoped that because the vaccine rollout has been so good, that winter will not be as severe as it has been in, in previous or certainly last Christmas and last winter time. So it's a waiting game, really. There are steps in place. The government here has been making noises about, look, we have plans just in case we get the, the situation that we don't want to be in. But I, I get the impression that the hope definitely is that the vaccine rollout has been so successful and has been so good that it'll just mitigate the need to, to go back into any severe sort of lockdown. As always, Damien, time will tell. We've heard mm. these plans before and we know that, that sadly COVID-19 can spread very quickly. So we shall see. But definitely the hope is that the vaccine has done its job and the rollout has done its job. And hopefully we can continue as as normal as, as we have been recently. Yeah, put our hope in the science. Let's get stuck into the English Premier League action at Old Trafford. Man, you host Everton. This is interesting. I think in most cases throughout the season thus far, you would have normally picked Manchester United pretty clearly. But... There wasn't a heck of a lot to like about their performance against Aston Villa. And historically, Everton have given them plenty of troubles in the past. And even health-wise, in terms of injuries, neither side going in in terms of real health in regards to injuries. I mean, Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw are battling injuries for United. Dominic Calvert-Lewin for Everton. So it could be an open match on that basis. Do you think, man, you uh, perhaps on the precipice of experiencing some struggles? Or do you think they'll bounce back against Everton after what was an overly convincing performance against Aston Villa last week. Yeah, you're right about these two sides. And, and historically, Everton at times have been a real thorn in Manchester United's side. There was a game that stands out from years ago now that I think finished 4-4 at Old Trafford. And it was when United were closing in on the Premier League title and Everton scored twice quite late to rescue a point. And I think it was the season that Manchester City eventually won it, the famous Sergio Aguero goal, which United were yeah. very close to winning the title themselves. I'm pretty sure it was that season and, and it was that game many pointed to against Everton that, that really 
um, really stunned them and and eventually proved proved fatal for United in the, in the title challenge. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not been an easy week or so for Manchester United. That 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 defeat to Aston Villa, you're right, was lacklustre. They didn't play with with the, the swagger that you think they should be playing with, considering the players they have with. Cristiano Ronaldo obviously settling in and scoring plenty of goals already. Uh, Bruno Fernandes was the centre of attention on that game because he missed a penalty. And we all thought Ronaldo would be on penalty duties, but it was Bruno Fernandes who blazed it miles over the crossbar. And you couldn't really begrudge Aston Villa their victory. And then in the week in the Champions League, they only just beat Villarreal. And Villarreal absolutely battered United in the first half of that game. Really should have been out of sight. And guess who? It's Ronaldo who rescues them once again. There is an element of pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the United manager this year, because he is still mm. trophyless at Manchester United. That's despite reaching many semi-finals and reaching the Europa League final last season when they lost, coincidentally, to Villarreal, who they played in the Champions League. Given the money spent, given that Ronaldo's come in, Sancho's come in, Rafael Varane has come in, there is definite expectation that Manchester United can challenge and even win a trophy. And you just wonder how that pressure plays out at Old Trafford and on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's shoulders. So it will be interesting to see how they get on against an Everton side that, well, very similar to last season, really. They had a great start to the season, just as they did under Carlo Ancelotti when they were pretty much top of the league. And then they stumbled because of injuries. And Rafa Benitez has enjoyed a similar start. And albeit, you can look at the teams they've played, Southampton, Leeds, uh, Brighton was in there, Burnley, Aston Villa. Mm. They've not had too taxing a start. And most recently, Norwich. Then you're thinking, okay, that's fine. That there are teams they expected to beat. Now it gets tougher for them with Manchester United. They play West Ham soon after the international break. They've started well, but they too, Everton, have, have struggled with injuries. That there's no Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Whether he's back for Saturday remains unlikely. Um, and clearly, he's a very big striker for them. Behind them, they've got players who are in decent form. So Abdi Decore is playing really well at the moment. Andros Townsend scoring goals. Damari Gray, likewise. And this is an Everton team that clearly on their day can trouble any side. So United will start as favourites, but it's the kind of game that Everton will certainly fancy. The only thing I would say is that it is the early kickoff mm. for us, which I think means it's actually quite nice for you guys. Yeah, 9.30 what, at night. <laughs> that's, not bad. that's perfect. No, absolutely, you can, you can deal with that. Often, though, the early games with us are quite sleepy affairs and it can take quite a while for the rhythm of the game to get up to speed. So I wouldn't expect this to be a high-scoring game, but I think it will be tight. Yeah, hopefully it is, and hopefully we get a climactic finish. We're speaking with Chris Coles from the BBC. Burnley take on Norwich. Now, I don't normally have much confidence in Burnley in general, but they're taking on Norwich, who have, I think, amassed an unenviable 16-game losing streak, the Canaries, and... Taking a look at my record here, the all-time record in regards to English football is 21 matches. So if this run continues by probably mid to, well, early to mid-November, they could break the record, Norwich, for a pretty Mm -hmm. unenviable title of the most amount of games lost consecutively in English football. Do you think their run might break here or do you think Burnley will win pretty convincingly? Well, if you're, if you're Norwich, you're looking at, at this game and thinking we have to start picking up points against teams like Burnley very, very quickly. And you've mentioned Burnley and, and one of those sides that floats around the bottom half of the table. And Sean Dyche's brief, it seems almost every year, is to make sure the club remain in the Premier League. They did have their little flirt with Europe a few years ago when they had a great season and really did spring from the pack. 
But ever since that year, it's been tough and it's been about survival. Sean Dyche hasn't had the luxury of, of buying lots of players, hasn't had the luxury of, of strengthening his squad. And it's why it's credit to him that he keeps Burnley above water most seasons, every season. Norwich, yeah, they the, the, the losing streak that you talk about obviously coincides also includes the, the previous season. They were in the Premier yeah, League when yeah. they, they went down. Um, they went down that season with a lot of credit in the bank, though, because they were playing quite nice football under Daniel Barker. They were confident in his ability, and it proved and was justified by him taking the club back into the Premier League. There's a different feel around Carrow Road this time around. And speaking to the regulars that go, they can't quite put their finger on it. Something seems wrong, whether it's the players that don't really believe in the system anymore, whether it's the players who think, well, we were tonked when we were last in this league last time, we're getting tonked this time. Difficult to really rally the troops. Is it the tactics? Is it the way they play? It doesn't feel a particularly happy place at the moment. There were positive signs in their 2-0 defeat to Everton where they did play like the Norwich that we know. All action and, and very, very front foot and closing down quickly, creating chances. They just can't put the ball in the net. Worth mentioning the run that they have had. They have played Liverpool. They have played Manchester City. They have played Leicester. They have played Arsenal. Now, they're good teams. The run now includes Burnley. Brighton, Leeds, Brentford, who they came up with last season. This is the moment and the time that they really need to start improving and picking up results. Otherwise, very quickly, it'll turn into just like Sheffield United last season, who were dead and buried at Christmas. And they, I think their first Premier League win came in January, perhaps. Yeah, if you do that, then you're, you're in real trouble. So big game for Norwich. Burnley, as I say, they, they keep ticking along. They also winless so far this season, but... They were winless for a long time last season and just turned it around. You always have faith that they will have enough to keep their heads above water. They got a very creditable draw against Leicester last time out, 2-2 at the King Power Stadium. So they'll be quite confident. But it's a, it's a bigger game for Norwich because they need to make sure they get a point on the board sooner rather than later. Yes, absolutely right. We're speaking with Chris Coles from the BBC. Next game to take a look at, Chelsea v Southampton now. Chelsea, you would think, would bounce back after last week's frustrating loss at the hands of Manchester City, and I'm expecting them to do so because Southampton uh, probably not going well in regards to scoring more than anything else. I think they've been scoreless in their last three fixtures, so their attacking prowess is faltering a little bit. But having said that, historically, the Blues have had a little bit of trouble dealing with Southampton over the last few years, winning just one out of their last five meetings. I don't think it'll make much of a difference, and I know history can repeat in certain instances, but would you think Chelsea would get the job done here at home at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, you would You would think so. And and what doesn't bode well for Southampton is that they've had a couple of disappointing results in recent times, Chelsea. They lost to Manchester City, that big showdown last weekend, where it was, it was really seen as, a, well, this could be a very early six-pointer because both sides are expected to be at the top of the table. And Chelsea didn't really lay a glove on Manchester City. And that was a surprise, given Chelsea had looked really good. And a surprise, given that Chelsea beat Manchester City in last year's Champions League final, in which Thomas Tuchel, the Chelsea manager, was praised for being very tactically astute. And clearly, you're coming up against a manager in Pep Guardiola, who is right at the top of his game when it comes to things like that. So they lost that game, and then they lost the other night to Juventus in the Champions League. Again, there's no real shame in that. But the problem is that Juve have had a pretty ropey start to Serie A this season, and that would have been a big disappointment for Tuchel that they couldn't see off Juventus, albeit it was in Turin. So he will demand a response from his players, which I don't think bodes too well for Southampton. Chelsea's Premier League form has been absolutely fine. It's, it's why they are where they are, third in the table and just a point behind leaders, Liverpool. And 
excuse me, they've been grinding out decent results. And Romelu Lukaku has looked the missing piece of the jigsaw that we all thought he would bring to Chelsea. They struggled a little bit against City without some influential players. Um, and, and they didn't have Mason Mount, who I think is, is quite key to Chelsea. And, and Mason Mount, who was influential under Frank Lampard, is also influential under Thomas Tuchel. He was injured for that game against Manchester City. When he's not playing, they do seem to lack a little bit of ingenuity. Mm. He's probably fit. I think he is fit for Saturday against Southampton. When he comes back into the team, it does bring a new dimension to Chelsea. So I fully expect them to beat a Southampton side who are one of, I think it's five teams, top ahead who are winless so far this season. Uh, but they have drawn quite a few of those matches. Um, it's You're right, it's putting the ball in the net. They've struggled since Danny Ings left to Aston Villa. Adam Armstrong, who's come in from uh, Blackburn, has looked industrious, but without putting the ball in the net a great deal. Che Adams, likewise. So it'll be about staying in the game as long as possible for Southampton and then trying to, to break through maybe on the counter-attack. But similarly to Norwich, you look at the teams they've played, um, Everton, who started the season well, they played Man City, got a very good point against Manchester City. Um, their next games, Leeds after Chelsea, Leeds, Burnley, Watford, Villa, Norwich, teams that Southampton should be beating. And I'm sure Ralph Harson, who is the manager of Southampton, will look at those games and think this is an opportunity to get our season going. But yeah, there won't be too many, Damien, that have Chelsea, have Southampton sorry, on their, uh, on their list of, of obvious winners this weekend. Speaking with Chris Coles from the BBC discussing the upcoming EPL fixtures. Leeds take on Watford. And if you have a look at five of Leeds' last six English Premier League matches, it's seen both teams score and they're yet to keep a clean sheet this season, which is no surprise. It's almost a hallmark of the Leeds game style, isn't it? In that uh, they're probably not the most accountable team, even though they do provide some scoring prowess. Watford, a little bit similar with their lack of accountability in their last three matches. Both teams have scored. Easy first leg there. Um, so there's a lot to play out. Do you think it'll be an attacking game on both sides of the coin, or will we see some form of lifting in the defensive element? I don't. I really don't. I think you're absolutely right. The, the way both sides go at the game, this could be very open and it could be very attacking. Leeds, they've had a really funny old start to the season. They, they're back in the Premier League, second season now. First season, last season, they had a great time. This is the first season back with fans, though. And I think it was anticipated that that would elevate them to an even greater level because Ellen Road is such an atmospheric place to watch football, to play football, that it would raise Leeds to the next level. But they've had a really poor start to the season and they are winless so far this campaign, which is a real surprise because everyone anticipated that they would really push on to that next level. Now, they've been a bit unlucky with injuries. They're they're without Patrick Bamford at the moment, who is clearly one of their their main players. He was excellent last season. He broke into the England squad. He's been missing. They've got a few issues at the back defensively as well. And a couple of their attacking players have been in and out. So Rafinha, their influential Brazilian player, is is playing and actually scoring, but it doesn't look fit and has often withdrawn after about an hour or so. Um, and, and they've been without Calvin Phillips for the first opening games, obviously a big England player there. Um, and a couple of their, their centre-backs are, are, are out at the moment as well. That clearly hasn't helped, but we still expect you to see more from Leeds. They have played teams that they, they think they should be beating. So they started terribly against Manchester United. Uh, they got a draw against Everton. Now they got a draw against Burnley. They would have fancied their chances there. They lost to Liverpool. Okay, no shame there. Draw against Newcastle. Uh, they lost at home to West Ham. You know, these are games they can't really afford to let by. 
if they answer to unthinkably get drawn into a relegation battle, I do expect them to be fine. I think Marcelo, Marcelo Bielsa has enough about him to, to see through this rocky period. And once they get everyone fit and firing, they will be OK. And Watford have, yeah, they've enjoyed a pretty decent start back in the Premier League. There they are, 12th in the table, uh, seven points from their opening six games. They've had some good wins, opening day against Villa, yeah. a good win away at Norwich as well, and a draw against Newcastle, the points they've picked up with losses thrown in against Wolves, against Tottenham, um, and against Brighton. Uh, but the way Watford played, they're very easy on the eye. And Ismail Assar is really impressing everyone who is a striker who is well, attacking midfielder who is banging form at the moment, scoring plenty of goals. And, um, and Isco Munoz, the Watford manager, has very much carried on his philosophy from the championship where they were on the front foot and they were creating plenty of chances. So, yep, I agree with you. I think this will be open. I think it's the way both sides play. They won't change. We're still very early on in the season, so it's not as if sides will be cowed by the pressure of the, the relegation zone and maybe we'll shut up shop. Don't expect that at all. Expect there to be goals. And, uh, and let's just hope it is an entertaining game to watch. Chris Coles joining us for the BBC. The next game doesn't really stand out to me all that much in terms of a highlight for the weekend. Wolves taking on Newcastle at Molyneux. The Wolves have picked up six points, uh, I think, against Watford and Southampton, but they're yet to score a goal at home. I haven't been overly impressed with the way they've gone about it so far. They've lost to Brentford, Man United and Spurs. Newcastle, they're good at taking points, but they seem to be grinding out draws and failed to really know how to win to this point of the season. I'm tipping a one-all draw based on recent experience. I think in the last three English Premier League meetings between these clubs at Molyneux, they've been one-all draws, so I don't see a change to that. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think I think one-all draw is probably a popular a popular suggestion for this game for, for the reasons you've outlined there. Starting with Wolves, strange... I mean, I know I've said this about lots of teams, um, strange starts of the season, but Wolves are very much one of those. New manager placing Nuno, who, who left the club at the back end of last season, and it just felt that relationship was coming to an end. And Bruno Larger comes in, relatively unknown, experienced with Portuguese football, assistant manager in, in England as well. And a few question marks as to how he would play without any real additions to the squad. And the answer is, they're actually playing some decent football. They just can't put the ball in the net. They create so many opportunities, Wolves. In all the games I've seen them play, they're on the front foot. They're playing well. They're, they're playing some really nice football. Adama Triore, often central to what they do, albeit he didn't play or, or came on quite late in their last game, which they won against Southampton. Raul Jimenez got the goal, the Mexican striker, who is clearly a massive player for football. Suffered that really nasty head injury last season, missed the campaign. So to see him back is great. And he got a good goal against Southampton. Wolves will hope that's the catalyst now. And he can go on a run. And he, he already brings so much to that Wolves team before he even scores goals in his hold-up play and his link-up play and his passing range. But he's obviously in the team to score goals. And Wolves will hope that his time now is to really kick on and get plenty of goals. Uh, and the Wolves' run, incidentally, of fixtures is very, very pleasing. Newcastle, Villa, Leeds, Everton, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Norwich, Burnley before they hit Liverpool and Manchester City. That is a good run of games. And Wolves fans will be hoping now that that is the period that they kick on and they turn some of their creative football into wins, which is clearly the most important thing. As for Newcastle, yeah, the, the, the long-running saga with Newcastle continues. The fans are not happy with Steve Bruce. In every home game, Steve Bruce is the subject of chants from the home fans about his job. They want a change. He's very, very unpopular on Tyneside. And again, you look at the start of the season Newcastle have had, and 
they're at the bottom or near the bottom of the table with no wins. Lots of draws in that, yes, but the fans will look at the teams they're drawing against and thinking, yeah, but these are teams we should be beating. Southampton at home, Leeds at home, Watford away. You know, we should be winning these games, really. The defeats have come to West Ham, to Villa and to Manchester United. And there is just an undercurrent of dissatisfaction at St. James's Park at the moment. Difficult to know where that ends. They're still talking about a takeover. That's been going on for ages. If that happens, maybe Steve Bruce will be out of a job. If you're Steve Bruce, you put on a brave face and continue, which is what he's doing. But he's admitted himself recently. It's tough. It's tough when you walk out into your home ground and hear 50,000 fans chant your name about losing your job. That Mm. is tough. And it's not conducive to a football team that play winning football because the players can obviously hear it as well. So it's, it's, it's tough at the moment at Newcastle, no question about it. And you would fancy Wolves for this one being at, at Molyneux. Um, but Newcastle, like so many teams, will look at the next few games. Wolves, Tottenham, Palace, uh, Chelsea, Brighton, Brentford. Obviously Chelsea and probably Spurs take out there, those two sides. But teams that they need to start picking points up because you don't want to get dragged into that relegation battle, especially when there's so much unrest off the field. Yeah, that's a fair point to make. We're speaking with Chris Coles from the BBC. Just in relation to the next fixed job, looking forward to this one, Brighton v Arsenal, and you just get a sense that a lot can change in the space of a few weeks, and case in point is Arsenal. Uh, A lot of their own fans were calling for Mikel Arteta to be sacked, and then three consecutive wins later, all of a sudden their season looks okay. I'm not saying they're going to challenge for the title or anything like that, but three consecutive wins, including a North London derby last week. It'll be interesting to see how they go at Brighton. They're having a decent season as well. I've only dropped points twice so far this campaign. So where do you see this one heading? Can Arsenal continue their sudden burst of form? Well, yeah, Arsenal have, you're right, have turned it around. The, the, the three wins in a row, all right, 1-0 against Norwich, expected, given Norwich's start. Beat Burnley away from home. Creditable, because Arsenal sometimes do slip up against Burnley. That North London derby, as much as I'm sure you're, you're paying to talk about it, Damien, was, <laughs> was good from Arsenal, I suspect, and we might come on to this. It probably raised more questions about Tottenham at the moment. But anyway, for Arsenal, it, you can only beat what's in front of you. And, and they were very good in that first half, or 3-0 up in no time. And players back has made a big difference, undoubtedly. Thomas Partey in the centre of midfield looks very, very secure. They've, they've got uh, Bukari Saka playing well. Thomas Erdegaard is settling in quite nicely now. Um, and they're looking okay up front with obviously Pierre-Emerick or Bamiang leading the line and, and scoring a, a decent goal. And Emil Smith-Rowe, the young Englishman, plays in that number 10 position. He's looking a really, really good signing. Uh, I beg your pardon, I didn't sign a really good youngster and someone who they can build the team around. They are rocked by Granite Xhaka's injury. He's out for about yep. three months. Now, he's a bit of a Marmite character, Xhaka. You either love him or you hate him. <laughs> but when he's on form... He's very good, and what, you can see what he brings to the Arsenal team. When he's not on form, he's often quite reckless and, and either has an awful game or gets sent off and, and does something that, that Arsenal fans hate. And he was very close to leaving the club a couple of seasons ago when you know fans were booing him off the field. and It, it felt like that relationship had completely broken down, but now it seems OK. However, he's out for, for the foreseeable future. But Arsenal look a, a much improved unit now, and, and for, for all the patience the fans have had with Michael Arteta, and it was a breaking point recently, perhaps now it's eased slightly, they will expect to, to go on a run now with games against Brighton, Palace, Villa, Leeds, Leicester, Watford to come. And can they carry on that good feeling from the North London derby? Brighton, you're right, they've had an excellent start to the season. Absolutely excellent. Just one defeat in their opening games, and they're right up there, sitting pretty sixth in the table. Graham Potter has started this season really well with Brighton. Um, they got a draw, last-minute draw against Crystal Palace. 
the other night, lucky maybe because they weren't really in the game and it was it was a defensive error that led to a Neil Mope getting an equaliser at Selhurst Park. But ever but the, the other games they've played, they've been very good and they've beaten decent sides. Leicester, who are clearly a decent unit under Brendan Rodgers, they beat Brentford away. Brentford has started the season back in the Premier League very, very impressively. And they're scoring goals, which was their big Achilles heel last season when they created plenty of chances but couldn't put the ball in the net. So they'll give Arsenal a real game here. And I think it's it's we can see by the, the bookmakers' odds they're not they're not really calling it either way because they know full well that Arsenal if they carry on their good form clearly very capable of winning that game but Brighton is showing that they've started so well they're at home confidence will be high and it's a difficult one to call so I think um, it wouldn't surprise me if that one does end in a score draw. Uh, that's a typical English expression, isn't it? Uh, using a Marmite description. I like it. Very, very it good. Very, very apt. Uh, what about the next uh, fixture? Crystal Palace taking on Leicester. And it's interesting. A, Crystal, a combined Crystal-Leicester Palace entity wouldn't have enough points to match Liverpool's fast start. Three total wins. I don't think these teams are destined for a relegation battle, but there's certainly an element of concern, I guess. What are your thoughts on this game? Definitely concern amongst the Leicester fans, yeah. And it's difficult to feel um, sympathy with Leicester fans because you think, well, what a great couple of years you've had. What a, you know, you've won the Premier League in the last four or five years. You've qualified for the Champions League and you've finished pretty much up the table every season since then. You've been, you know, I know you've missed out on Champions League football, fine, but Europa League football is, is certainly no mean feat. So, you know, enjoy it. However, the locals are a little bit angsty about the start they've made to this season because they're making quite uncharacteristic defensive errors. And we know football is it's a relative game, isn't it? You know, if you're, fa- if you're a fan of bottom of League Two, the fourth tier, you look enviously at clubs like Leicester. But obviously, if you're a fan of Leicester, you, you can only base on what you're seeing. and you're, you're used now to good football, and that's the benchmark. That's what you expect every week. And it just hasn't really happened. And they, they were sloppy in that two-wheel draw at home to Burnley. They lost prior to that against Brighton, again, where they weren't really at it. They, they dropped points against Napoli in the Europa League, albeit Napoli are going to be very good this season. Um, Manchester City beat them, and Leicester weren't really at it. So you can understand why there's a little bit of dissatisfaction. But cut out the defensive errors, and they will be absolutely fine. And you're right, they'll be nowhere near the bottom of the table. It's just a question of whether they can match the recent good form of, of previous seasons. Crystal Palace under Patrick Vieira, yeah, I think fans are OK with what they're seeing so far, because they're seeing a team on the front foot Roy Hodgson, the previous manager, was defensively sound and, and didn't really have Palace looking too attacking, but they were always OK at the back and therefore could see games out. This time, under Patrick Vieira, he's brought a different philosophy and a different way of playing, and they have looked good. They just have struggled to put the ball in the net, apart from, again, I'm sorry, Damien, <laughs> that yeah. one game against Spurs <laughs> when, they, when they won 3-0 and, and did look good. Um, in Conor Gallagher, they've got a very good player on loan from Chelsea who's all action. He's here, there and everywhere and he's, he's key to the way Crystal Palace play. Um, they're pretty sound defensively. They've, they've bought some decent players. Uh, Yukim Anderson from Fulham was a, was a really good pickup. He's a good player. Mark Gui from Chelsea, likewise. And going forward with Zaha in particular, Odson Edouard, recent signing as well, former Celtic striker. I think they'll be fine. I think they will come good. And once they get a few results under their belt, they will be absolutely fine. Uh, but yeah, there are some interesting matchups this weekend, that's for sure. And, and Crystal Palace Leicester, one of those interesting matchups. Yes, indeed. We're speaking with Chris Coles from the BBC. Time to talk about my Spurs, fortunately or unfortunately, depending mm-hmm. on how you look at it. They take on Aston Villa. Sure. Uh, the Spurs, they haven't had a very good month of September. We're technically into October 
time of recording here, Chris, uh, into early October Australian time. But I'm pa- I'm pretty glad about that because September hasn't been a great month for them. And the manager's seat is starting to look a little bit toasty at this point in time. Villa might not be the worst club to have coming to town, but their performance at Old Trafford should certainly have the Spurs fans very nervous. And then losing that North London derby in convincing fashion doesn't bode well for them. You think Tottenham can turn it around? Yeah, I mean, where to start with Tottenham at the moment? It's such a good month in August in which Nuno won Premier League Manager of the Month. Some some good results, including beating Manchester City, Wolves away. That would have been emotional for Nuno back at Molyneux. Mm. Then beat Watford. There was a good win in the Europa Conference League. And then actually that Palace game that we mentioned, that was when it all fell apart. And maybe you can put it back to, to Jaffet Tanganga sending off in that game. To, I mean, clearly, you can't blame it. Tottenham's travails at the moment on one player. But since that moment, they've really struggled. That, that heavy defeat at home to Chelsea would have really irked the fans at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And then, to be pretty lifeless against Arsenal, yeah, any manager is going to come under scrutiny. To put in two lacklustre performances in two big London derbies is not going to get too many fans on side. It feels that there's a few things that are wrong at Tottenham. Starting at the top of the pitch, no one really knows where Harry Kane's head is at the moment. He clearly wanted that move away to Manchester City, but for whatever reason, didn't happen. And now he's here. I'm not for one minute suggesting that Harry Kane is downing tools, but he just doesn't seem himself. But you can also compare that to another issue, which is I'm not sure what Nuno is trying to do with Harry Kane, because at times he is so deep in matches. At times he's starting attacks. And you could say that's because he's frustrated because he's not seeing the ball up front. But he's dropping so deep. And you're thinking, Harry, I know you can do this because you're a fantastic (laughs) football player. But you need to be at the other end. Because if you're here, then no one's at the top end putting the ball in the net. And then throw in the fact that you kind of got a team where there are new players that are still trying to to, to bed in. So Brian Hill is is one of those players. Emerson Royale, the fullback. Um... You know that Tungian Dombele was in and out, and he was out at the start of the season, but he's in now, and it just doesn't seem a very happy camp for whatever reason. I wonder if you can go back to Jose Mourinho's time, and and that clearly was an experiment that didn't work, and perhaps Nuno is having to pick up the pieces from that regime. Obviously, they're still a very good side. They've got Chungmin Son, they've got Harry Kane, they've got Lucas Moura, they've got the new players that will undoubtedly aid Spurs once they get up to to speed. But you're right, if they don't start picking results up, then Nuno is going to come under real, real fire um, against Aston Villa, who picked up that really, really good result against Manchester United, started the season well, impressively, actually, because they've lost Jack Grealish. The players they've brought in, whilst not really replacing him, no one can replace a £100 million player, have shown signs that they are very capable of mixing it in this Premier League. Um, and they will be absolutely fine this season. Dare I say it, they might have ambitions of European football they will fancy their chances down in London because Dean Smith, the Villa manager, will be saying exactly these things. Look, you're coming up against a Spurs side who are wounded, who are not really happy at the moment. Take advantage of that and try and get a positive result. But yeah, big game for Tottenham and a big game for Nuno. But the ultimate game we'll look at for the upcoming week, West Ham v Brentford. It should be a high-scoring contest this one. Five of West Ham's six games have seen at least three goals, while Brentford put three past Liverpool last weekend. It's going to be interesting to see whether Brentford could contain West Ham's strike force. So the Bees have been pretty good to watch so far this season. Do you think it'll be a high-scoring encounter, a shootout? Yeah, again, I think you're right. The, the signs point to this one being 
an entertaining, high-scoring game, and, and you only have to look at the previous results involving Brentford, and we knew Brentford would play this way under Thomas Frank in the Championship. He had Brentford playing a very attractive style of football, always felt that they were destined for the Premier League at some stage, given how close they've come in previous years. They've made the leap this time, and they've settled in really nicely, that excellent victory on the opening day against Arsenal, that thrilling draw in the last game against Liverpool, when they played so well, and Liverpool weren't great defensively, but still, it was such a joy to watch Brentford with the players they have. In Ivan Tony, they've got a striker who was, was always likely to make a name for himself in the Premier League. Big, physical, but skillful, clever player, great finisher, and some really, really good attacking players behind Tony, the likes of Sergio Canos and Brian and Buemo. Solid at the back with Pontus Janssen and Ethan Pinnock and fullbacks that love to bomb forward as well, Rico Henry in particular. And clearly, any team that troubles Liverpool who are top of the league at the moment, are going to be a match for every other team in this division. Sam, for credit to David Moyes, they've not missed a beat. Brilliant season last time, qualified for the Europa League, and the concern often when teams of West Ham's size qualify for the Europa League is that they, their Premier League form suffers. And the evidence is, is there to back it up. So when teams like West Ham qualify for the Europa League, uh, when Wolves did the other year, when Burnley did the other year, the following seasons in the Premier League were really difficult for them because they just don't have the squad depth to play Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. And that is difficult for teams like West Ham. So it'll be interesting to see how the Europa League season pans out for them and how they marry the Premier League with that. They've not struggled this season by any stretch of the imagination. They've been very, very good. It's why they're seventh in the table. Mikel Antonio has been excellent, the striker. Declan Rice has been brilliant. Said Ben Rama, sorry formerly of Brentford, has been excellent for West Ham. So there are lots of interesting stories here, lots of interesting tales. And, and just like the, 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 some of the previous games that we've, we've spoken about, all signs point to this one being a really entertaining, high-scoring game. And I don't think it's going to be any different. And we've saved the best till last. Two of the big heavyweights of the English Premier League, Liverpool and Manchester City. A big match to herald in, I guess, the international break. It'll be the last game before that particular stage. And Man City are heading to Anfield full of confidence after taking maximum points from Stamford Bridge. Liverpool can be a little bit suspect defensively at times, but they have such a talented attack which can compensate for that. I think they can match City if it turns into a shootout. It'll be an interesting game. What are the dynamics at play here? Who do you think will prevail? Yeah, it, it is an interesting one. And, and you just hope that it's come early enough in the season where both sides go for it. Had this been later and it had been, a, dare I say, a title decider, yeah. clearly it would be a fascinating watch. But you think it would be quite nervy, whereas because it's early on in the season and both sides are playing well, Liverpool top of the table, City number two, you just hope that Matt, both managers go, do you know what? Go for it. Absolutely go for it. Will we see that sort of game? It's so difficult to know. It really is because we've seen top-of-the-table clashes that have really not lived up to expectations. There was a game a few years ago between, I think, Manchester United and Liverpool that was billed as Red Monday. It was massive in this country and it was one of the worst games I've watched (laughs) because neither side wanted to lose. And it was such an anticlimax. And there's always that in the back of your mind that worry that games like this will be billed up and it will be massive. And on Sunday afternoon, it'll bring in a huge TV audience And it just won't deliver. However, I think this one will. And I'll tell you a few reasons why. One, fans. 
massive, massive at Anfield that fans are back. And when the big teams met last season in dead atmospheres, it had a massive impact on the game. Anfield will be rocking. It'll be absolutely bouncing because Manchester, Liverpool, next to each other, City fans will travel in their numbers. And we know the Liverpool fans are very, very passionate and will be right behind their side. Two, both sides are in excellent goal-scoring form. For Liverpool, Mohamed Salah started the season brilliantly. Sadio Mane chipping in with goals. Roberto Firmino, I think, is going to be back for this game. But Diego Jota is playing well, his replacement. And it's really exciting to see all of those players top of their game. Likewise, Manchester City, albeit that we're never quite sure which way Manchester City are going to go. Kevin De Bruyne now is back properly. He's almost certain to start. Riyad Mahrez, Bernardo Silva have started the season pretty well. So too Raheem Sterling. Obviously, Jack Grealish is an influential player. Will Manchester City play without a recognised striker? It's possible because Gabriel Jesus, who is the recognised striker, has sometimes been deployed out wide. Mm. So many different tactical uh, nuances at play here. But I suspect that we will see a blood and thunder game. And in the end, passion and atmosphere will take over. One downside is that there's no Trent Alexander-Arnold for Liverpool, and, and he is one of the most influential attacking fullbacks in the world, let alone in the Premier League. So we hope that doesn't dampen Liverpool's expectations too much. But I think... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The signs point to this one being as attractive a game as it is on paper. And let's just hope it lives up to expectations. Yeah, completely agree with you, Chris. Really appreciate your time. Enjoy the weekend of EPL action before the international break. And all the best over there in the UK. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Cheers, Damien. Appreciate it. Speak again soon. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.